as it goes down, simply go to Facebook and type in STLR Media TV. That's STLR Media TV. You can also catch us live as it goes down on the app TuneIn Radio under STLR Media. Do that. Thank me later. Sky's the limit radio, baby. What is going on, my fearless congregation? Wait a minute. Johnny, this isn't the Mad Titans. Well, yeah, no shit. We decided here at STLR to do something a little bit more um, substantial. Yeah, why? Because you all deserve intelligent conversation. So I would like to welcome you all to Suncoast On Point. News with no slants. Shout out to my boy Tommy for that one. Because I didn't come up with that shit. Not even a little bit. So... If you guys want to call in before we do anything else, please pick up your phone. You will be live. You will be live. Okay. So, 941-822-0715. It's very simple. This is helping you guys understand, know, and hopefully have some questions that are answered through this uh, station. For my guest, if you have your phone on, please silence it. Done. All right. Outstanding. Who am I joined with? Well, that's pretty simple. Three girls who, based on the rocks on their hand, have better credit than I will ever have. <laughs> uh, these are... I do have a new motorcycle, but get that microphone up. You know better. You know better. Yes, I do, but still, like, with the rocks on their hands, they could buy and sell my bitch ass three times over and have zero problems with it. <laughs> Although they'd probably pay him to take me away and just say throw to the salvage yard we'll be okay (laughs) so we have Alyssa Gray gay Alyssa gay gay yes sorry I don't know why I want to it's that 50 shades of gray thing (laughs) I just watched it before I came in while I was getting my mani pedi it was (sighs) to die for (laughs) we have Miss Amy Beck who is probably responsible for getting these lovely ladies to put up with my ass for the next hour at least. And we have the incomparable Cassandra Barnes. Burns. Burns. <laughs> That's okay. We'll <laughs> go with, with the punches. One for three. We really are. Hey, that... You just said on the air that you're used to everybody butchering the first name, so I get to butcher the last name. There we go. <laughs> so... What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about a lot of vast amounts of talks, discussions, things of that nature that are really pertinent, especially in some generations, bridging the generations, older generations. Quit looking at me, John. Fuck. (laughs) My bad, my bad. (laughs) But I do think it's extremely important that the younger generation, a.k.a. the millennials, the good ones and the dickhead ones, like really kind of understand like where they're going. Because I personally think, now I don't know about the rest of you ladies, but we'll all 
come around and uh, get to that. But I think that there is a huge miscommunication when when the younger crowd tries talking to the older crowd. Of course, the older crowd is going to get defensive. That's what they do. They've lived more life. They have seen war. You griping and complaining because daddy bought you a Beamer. It's not war. It really isn't. A lot of the older generation have been to war. They have seen war. They've seen grandparents and relatives come back from Vietnam, has, you know, has walked through the JFK era and uh, Jim Crow and just so many different things. So, and we'll, we'll start off with you, you know, and not to pick on you, but because of the fact with age comes wisdom. How do you react to people when they look at you bold, square in the face and tell you, you're wrong. A man who's done more, lived more, seen more, has experienced more. How do you possibly open up with an open mind when your resume speaks for itself? It's hard to. It is a difficult thing to do. Um, Get that microphone. To be told somebody that you are wrong. Right. When the truth be known. Sure. You have lived so much more and seen so much more. Sure than they have even been around. Um, a lot of the millennial generation you know, doesn't really understand what 9-11 was to my generation in a way. They were too young. Not all of them, but right. a lot of them were. Um, they do not understand anything what Vietnam was or, or the people that came back from Vietnam. Now, I was very, very young when that happened. Right. But I still remember things like, which you, they got a little bit for the Iraq War, but, you know, in Vietnam was the first televised war. Ah, yeah. And I can actually remember as a small child watching the news with combat on TV. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, and nowadays it's like that's nothing. Well, they hide a lot of it, but, I mean, well, sure. it, it was, you know, you did see combat on TV. It's crazy. My aunts, uncles had friends. In fact, my uncle was in Vietnam. Um, had friends, and they would legitimately watch the TV news to see if they saw somebody they knew. Right. And the generation, you know, the millennial generation, has never faced that type of idea. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Desert Storm not saying that the Iraq war sure. Afghanistan yeah they still don't show the combat sides of it like they used to hmm well and that's a good point and we'll come back to that but that is an excellent first point now moving on to Alyssa who is a little bit closer um you know which I don't mean this in any type of negative way but how old are you I'm 27 27 now when you try to speak to somebody of many years and many moons and done a lot seen things um, like how do you react when some of them do snap and they say you don't understand you just don't get it back in my day you know we didn't take a knee we were fighting for this country like how does somebody like you especially because I mean that the rest of us, you know, I mean, have, have gotten a little personal as to what everybody does, you know, which we won't get into that. But but we'll start with you. Like, how do you defuse that and really 
you know, wrap your mind around that to try to either bring them over to a more um, conservative point of view, or do you just kind of like leave them alone and say, you know what, they've done their time. I'm not going to tell them what's right and what's wrong. No, I definitely think there's a balance that you need to find and create when you're speaking with these people. Um, and I don't ever want to discount the experience and what the people and generations before me have lived through and sure. the wisdom that they've gained from that. You know, the different situations that they've had, whether it was the wars or civil rights or things like that. Right. They have lived through that, and so they've now had those effects on their life. We have different situations today that we're going through that... Right relate you know those are going to be the equivalent of our different you know civil rights for the lgbtq community um and things like that that are you know that's kind of our civil rights today not necessarily based on race um alone and so those issues this the older generation has lived through we've seen the effects that they have they have that wisdom so I think the best thing to do is to create a, a healthy conversation between the generations so that they sure. can say, as we faced this, this is how we responded, both good and bad, and this is now the effect of it. And how can we apply that wisdom to those situations that are facing our ourselves today? Huh. Um, I will definitely have to put a pit in it because that was so funny that uh, you said that there was a news article, um, or actually that there was a live protest out in front of congress last week and one of the ladies said with all the abortion talk this is our vietnam and i'm like really but we'll come back to that um cassandra same question like that how do you connect like especially because that you deal more with the public probably than the other two how do you connect with the public especially the older generation um to either get them rocking and rolling or just get them to just say oh it's a good point um well first i want to say um happy memorial day and absolutely that we are um taking some time to honor those that have served and and lost their lives in war um i will i will say that i um I grew up with a with baby boomer parents, so ah. I um, am in the older part of our generation in terms of the millennial generation, and I have the utmost respect, and that's how I approach it normally. Um, what the generations before us have lived through, whether that be war or the civil rights, as Alyssa said, um, it is... It is something that I hope that we don't see because they've been through that. Right. And they were making that change for our generation. Um, I hope that the changes that we're going through now and what we're wanting to advocate for um, as young people in this nation, it's going to be something that our kids will look back on as well. Um, but as far as connecting those two, I think respect is one of the biggest things and not to point fingers and not to put labels. Um, I think we, we, we label everything too much now. And it's, you know, you're a millennial, you're a baby boomer, you, you know, whatever it is. Um, it is, it's more than that. We're all humans. And we, um, I think together, when we respect each other and we look at that and know what somebody has been through or, um, what they're going through now, we can't speak for them. We can't unless we've walked in their shoes. So really it's that respect piece for me. 
Hmm. Amy, same thing. So again, um, what a take a moment. If you have not taken a moment to remember our fallen soldiers, please do so. It's Memorial Weekend, and this is why we thought it would be a great day to talk. You know what we fight for and what we stand for. My stance on everything is, <clears throat> for millennials, takes. I think there's been a lot of misunderstandings and huge communi- mis- uh, communication misfires between the generations. Like the what? Mo- well, the millennial generation has had the largest divorce rate. We've seen the largest divorce rate of any generation before us. We did see the largest 9-11 terror attack that has ever taken place in the U.S. We've also experienced the largest recession since the 1929 large recession. Um, we okay. also have had the biggest conflict technology boom, which also makes our childhood seem so much further away than what it really truly is. Um, <clears throat> so are you assuming or or that or basically saying that because of things like technology and things like 9/11 that that the millennials are incapable of of well, connecting with that older generation. No, I think that we can because as horrible as the Vietnam War was, sure. I was in my classroom and I saw people falling from buildings and watch a two towers collapse live on television that killed thousands of people. You know, this is before there was even talk of safe spaces or bringing counselors into school to speak with everyone. Right. And, and it's not that... Um, it, People want to compare like their generation has seen the most things. We're very relatable, more than what people probably realize. And as long as we actually talk to each other instead of arguing and telling each other that the other one's wrong, I think the biggest problem I feel with baby boomers is they have talked to each other about millennials and how crazy we are and what's wrong with us. But not too many have said like, hey, can you like talk to us about this and why you do things a certain way or why, as a Republican Party, why are gay marriages not as big as an issue as they were? Why do you guys care about recreational marijuana? Well, usually <clears throat> millennials, we actually are very situational in our views and approaches. Some things are we think are really, really worth fighting for. Some things we don't really have a stake in that fight. Uh, I would need an example of, of something that millennials as a whole – you know, say that's that's the fight that we want. Well, it depends. For me personally, I don't care about. Uh, I, not that I don't care about gay marriages. I don't let them get married. Let people who love each other let them get married. I also think though that uh, if they're going to allow gay people to be married, then churches and religious institutions shouldn't be sued or shouldn't be our their for our nonprofit status or ta- tax free status be taken away from them if they don't perform a gay marriage ceremony you know from the government but it just depends give me a situation i'll tell you if it's something worth fighting for me abortions huge fight i want to save everybody gay marriages let let them get married that's i don't have a stake in that fight hmm i mean and that is and that's a fairly reasonable point um i mean Every generation hates the one before, quoted from <laughs> Mike Rutherford from Mike and the Mechanics. Um, I think the actual way that was put is the generation the generation looks at the next generation as a set of, well, to quote my parents, y'all are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, if we compare what went on in your generation as to what went on in our generation, like, you guys didn't have to worry about fingers being pointed at you and saying you got everything simply because of the color of your skin you have you have illicit white privilege and uh, you know and the generation i grew up in is a little different i mean technically i'm from a baby boomer set too right (laughs) believe it or not but um 
Yeah, I mean, I lived through the seventies, you know, the eighties, Ronald Reagan era. There was a whole lot of uh, screwing going on in the seventies. A whole oh, lot of screw. Yes, yes. But I mean, Everybody I lived, pounded. Old people smashing. That. I lived that. I lived through, I lived through the eighties. You know, from you know, when you go into political age, from the Jimmy Carter era through through that era. Sure. I mean, you know, I lived through one of the biggest economic booms that was the eighties. Yeah, I mean that's totally true. And Very even true. through the Clinton era, you know, mm-hmm. I mean that was before the dot com crashes that everybody has yep. kind of forgot about now. And we've had, uh, you know, the, the latest crash was in real estate. Yeah, it was the real estate crashes. But you know, we did have the dot com crashes that destroyed and wiped out thousands and thousands. Um, you know, so you've got that point. You, you Cassandra, had mentioned something about labels, mm-hmm. uh, and I find that that is probably one of the worst things that has ever happened because unfortunately social media has allowed everybody to label somebody and it is very easy to call somebody anything you want to as long as you are anonymous behind a keyboard or behind a phone yes in my generation you know the internet was starting my first computer was the dial-up modem my first computer was a loading. It was actually a laugh about it. I saw something on Facebook and was laughing. Who, who remembers this? Yes, I remember sitting there going down yes. like a song, and 45 minutes later, you came back and got it. <laughs> it you know, I remember when cell phones came out. My first cell phone was a bag phone. It yeah. was an analog bag phone. Talked great. I remember cell phones. Uh, Zach Morris used to have one. That, that thing was freaking huge. Ah, oh, Zach Morris, Yeah. <laughs> Um, Charlie's Angels in the car phone. You know? there we <laughs> go. Pick it up and, and, and tell them where you want to die. <laughs> I think, um, well, that, and we'll kind of take this and we'll expand this into a local realm because that it's easy to have a simple-minded conversation about such a, you know, such a broad topic. But especially that goes on like in Sarasota and in Manatee County. I mean, how many protests go on? I mean, hell, like last year or two years ago, big uproar, guy, guy, guy and girl don't know how to sit there and communicate, so guy hits girl, guy drives off, police chase him, stops the car, he hops over the fence, guy starts running, cop puts the dog on him, dog clearly has him, and the guy got shot. Those are the type of things that are going on and oh what about that kid who showed up missing and was like missing for months months and months and months and months and months but everybody shuts up about it i believe deep down that i am looking at sarasota manatee much like i look at my government in general i love this place i don't trust a damn one of them because they have personal agendas you show me the first person to look me dead square in the eye and have enough conviction and enough substance in the tone and the look at their voice to say, I care about what happens to the people here. No, nah, motherfucker, you care about your damn pockets. <laughs> you care about your waterfront property in Harbor Acres. You care about your damn property over on the island off of Manatee Avenue. You don't care about me. And that, that's the hugest problem. I mean, because, and let's just call it for what it is. I mean, 
Tommy D is pretty well set off. I mean, the man busted his ass. He is the result of what I call the real American dream. You put in your time. You've got your 401k. You've got your investments. You have everything. Bam. Reaps the rewards. Well, now we you're in a room full with a bunch of late 20s, early 30 people. And they're saying by the time we hit 50, Social Security will be a thing of the past. That won't ever be a thing anymore. There's a, de- a definite possibility I will not collect it. It may run out before I get there. Well, you have to remember that it was your voting that kept electing politicians to borrow from Social Security. And it is your generation that Actually, gets very upset if anyone makes any recommendations to cut Social Security. Yet they keep borrowing and borrowing me. and borrowing <laughs> from Social Security. Yeah, I mean, you got to go back before me a little bit because they actually broke the trust fund, I think, in the 50s, which was but, like, since then, though, hasn't people or hasn't um, in the past politicians have voted to borrow from oh. Social Security, which I, keeps racking it up? I will wholeheartedly agree. And then they've changed uh, pretty much and expanded who can collect it from just being retired people to anybody with a disability. And then they changed people with a disability to include people that are obese or diseases that never were around before uh, that are they, now considered disabilities. Sure. Yeah, they, they, they've changed the idea of what Social Security actually was. Social right. Security was never supposed to be a working, I live, I go through, collect Social Security, I live on it. Right. Social Security was supposed to be, in essence, a supplemental income. It was supposed to be something on top of what you collected or had. So that has been changed. But they broke the piggy bank on that years ago because there's study after study that one time Social Security had more money than ever survived. I see it come out of my paycheck and I'm just like, I got to kiss that goodbye. I'm (laughs) never seeing that again, ever. You can oh, just work I'm, for yourself, and it doesn't come out of your paycheck. <laughs> there you go. I need to take your route, right? <laughs> well, <Very good> and... <laughs> Are you hiring? <laughs> I mean, and that's what's going on. I mean, that people and more and more people are having to go into business for themselves. Smart one right here. <laughs> you got my vote. You got my vote between that one. Um, I guess, like, when you're bridging the gap... Um, now, obviously, now this probably doesn't apply to you, but again, your your experience could definitely tailor and waver on a few things. How do you all think, especially you all being mothers or grew up with you know nieces or nephews that you're extremely close with? Um, how do you think the teachings of of parenting affects not only one's mental state, but quite possibly the difference between turning conservative and good core values and something a little bit more liberal you know a liberal where everybody's a victim and if you don't think and you don't agree with me it's not because you have a valid point it's because you're a racist bigot homophobe and everything else under the sun like like how do you see that playing out with the following generation because we're already Mm -hmm. fucked we already have people, you know, that you freaking take their Linus blanket and go home and sleep. But the kids coming up, that's going to be the true litmus test, I think. Well, I think when it, when you're talking about the family and how they raise their children, you're also talking about, um, you know, family values and morals and values, pretty much. Yeah. And I honestly don't think it's as bad as, like, the media is trying to make it out to be. I think what you see a lot goes on in the school, 
Um, right. There are a lot of hot topics that are being taught inside the school, which should not be taught inside the school. Any of that um, should get brought to Florida. I'm raising hell. Yeah, and and I also am a core believer of a mother and a father or two parent household because. Right. And there's not enough of that being instilled in children that if you have children, you need to, to stick with the mother and stick with raising your, your babies because it has been proven, no matter what race you are, that any child, sure. black, white, Asian, Hispanic, that if you're raised by a mother and a father or a father figure from a very, very young age, they will go much further than life than... A, your average child raised in a single household. Now, I'm not trying to, to get on those single moms and single dads. I did that for a while myself. But that it is, there are facts and there are studies to show that two-parent households, like that kind of value, if you have children, stick with your children, stick with the mother of the children. If you have children, stick with the father of your children. Stick it out because you guys are a family unit. And unfortunately, we have some government programs that have incentivized single-family households. And, you I know. I was going to ask you the question. The question I got is, I, I saw this over and over and over and over where you have one father with multiple children from multiple partners and the philosophy was it wasn't my problem to deal with hmm. which we are now reaping unfortunately and that's because they took the, the father out of the home to be honest with you there's not uh, like again, like I'm, I'm very big on two family homes. There's not any dads whipping their sons' butts into shape, being like, "You're not going to treat women like that. If you're going to have kids, you need to stick with well, them." My, my and they've taken the, the how, fathers out of the home. How do we twist? How do we bring it back? Because you know, there was actually beat your kids' asses at hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, but it got to be the point that the fathers, you know, didn't have to be there, as you said or didn't want to be there and there was no ramifications for hey this is your child you need to provide for said child okay so so, so how would you, how would you approach that because i, I have I observed that over and okay over i have three boys and my oldest is 10 i always say that men protect women and women civilize men that if he is going to grow up and be a father and have a family he needs to work hard and stick with things no matter how hard it gets because he's a quitter he is a huge quitter if it gets a little bit rough for him he's like i don't want to do this anymore and that goes back to how these children are raised from the get-go you need to to instill intrinsic value of a family unit in them. You guys got to stick together no matter how much you guys fight and argue and the situation's not what you want it to be. Because, you know, you have to think of where you are now is going to be very different from where you are in a year from now or two years from now. Sure. And it's for that situation, that's a cause and effect situation. It's what happened after the fact that they're but, pretty but much raised that, like, if they, if they don't have boys that don't have father figures in their lives consistently i'm not saying it has to be their father but an uncle or their grandfather that lives in the home with them they are going to mimic that behavior that they there doesn't need to they don't need to be a father figure to their kids because they were raised with that one and it's just a very very bad cycle i mean that's a fair point that uh, what do you have on that miss cassandra i have to disagree some oh um <laughs> Finally. All right. Some disagreement. <laughs> now we're talking. All right. Um, just because I, you know, looking at this, it isn't, um, and I understand, you know, being in the home and, and being a family, but not every family, um, and I think this goes back to, to how, how 
the communities that we have now versus communities that we had um, you know, 20 years ago sure. or 30 years ago where there was a sense of community. It was the kids would play out in the front yard and or running around together. And when the streetlights came on, it was time to go home. Nobody had a phone to call. Nobody had a cell phone. Um, and there was uh, that sense of um, it takes a village um, to raise a child. And that we have we have gotten, and I, I believe that that has um in some areas that's gotten away right. and that sense of community and, and that you can call on your neighbor or call on a family member, grandma, grandpa, whoever it might be, um, to help, uh, that I think is still there, but not as much as what it used to be. I know for, um, my, um, fiance, he, his family is, I mean, they were, they are a close family and he had his aunts, he had his uncles, um, and he ran around and just like I did. I had family growing up, and that's what it was. It was all of us that sure. contributed to that. So, you know, the single mom um, or, or that aspect of being there, um, I think for every situation is different until you walk in that person's shoes you don't know. So, yes, continuing an argument or, at, like, keeping that family together, I, I ultimately, I think it's, it's, it's situational. Um, if that, if it's not healthy and there is that piece of it, um, for, which plays into a whole mental health side of things, um, for a child growing up, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that's a, a decision that's going to be made, um, by each family. And it, it isn't, we talk about it again, putting, la I hate to say putting labels on it, but it's this or it's that, or, um, you know, they should stick together and they should try to try to work it out. That's not the case in every situation. Sure. Well, well I agree with that. I mean, I mean, cause anytime you're talking domestic violence, I am. Talking, yeah, yeah. You're talking, you know, toxic, sex, sexual violence. You're talking anything like that. Yeah. yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. The point I suppose I was making is that you've actually got people, and, and it's not only men, though it's mostly men, they will try and walk away from a child and, oh yeah, I've got a son, okay, well when's the last time you talked to him? Oh, 10 years ago. Oh, and I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, that <laughs> there absolutely. Was no, there is no stigma on why haven't you talked to your child, why haven't you Correct. done something for your child? Easy yeah. to make a father, hard to make a daddy. And that's just... Uh, um, now, what's your experience been, Amy? Alyssa. Alyssa, I'm sorry. Jeez. <laughs> the hell? That's all right. Um, I looked down at the comments and somebody said Amy, so that's where, like, I name bam. You're good. Um, I agree with Cassandra. I did not come from a easy-peasy, pretty family background. I'm a child of divorce, then my mother died my father got remarried i have half brothers from his first marriage when his wife passed away from brain cancer and i have stepbrothers from the new marriage and back to your original question as far as how parents raise and how the kids turn out and their different views and things you can look at the range of the six of us total in our blended family and there are lots of people who are uber conservative and walking straight and narrow there are people who are a little more you know left-leaning there are people who are libertarian um and it really you know i think the the best parenting just from my own experience within this family unit that we have is 
that our parents instilled the the values and morals that they've believed in and that they were raised on and gave us legitimate reasons as to why, you know, bringing it back to biblical reasons and constitutional things and things like that. And from there, they've also given us the liberty to this is what we believe and why. And now you're an adult and you can make those decisions. But don't make these decisions just because it's cool or this person is doing it or things like that. If this is, you know, you choose to live this way or vote this way or different things like that, then you need to have legitimate reasons for that. Do your research. You know, make sure that your knowledge is not a mile wide and an inch deep. Ah, a very good choice of words. Um, uh, One of our comments who is watching on our live feed, brings up a very good point who actually disagrees so i definitely encourage you to call in at the number down over there at the bottom at the 941-822-0715 as much as it would be great for all families to stick it out and do what's right sometimes it's just too toxic and they have to dip And depending on what it is, especially with the different stigmas, regardless if we would all love to, you know, be in a, you know, in a sugar plum fairy world where labels don't exist. Unfortunately, that they do. See, yeah, I I agree with that. But maybe I didn't explain myself. Um, When you want to raise your kids, the one thing I would like to tell them, at least Phoenix, who's a little bit older, wait until you're married to have kids. Wait until you're married to have kids. Please just wait until you're married to have kids. I'm not preaching abstinence. I'm not preaching that because, you know, in the world we live in. But if he just waits until he is married to someone and then has kids, that's part of the, what I'm going to say, like valuing the family unit. Are, that it, are we setting ourselves up for failure, though, expecting way better out of our kids and future kids than we ever acted? Because now I don't know about the rest of y'all, but me, I skipped school. I was I was having sex. Thank God my pullout game was on point. <laughs> but we all, we all have done, every last one of us, I don't care how how nice you are how squeaky clean you could have on the nicest clothes in the world we all have some things that would guarantee us a spot in hell we've all done some jacked up stuff and we actually have our first caller caller you're alive on sun coast on point who we got Xtavia bailey Xtavia, how are you i'm good how are you uh well if i was any better i'd be you (laughs) uh what can we do for you um, I really enjoyed what you had to say on Facebook about um, the toxicity of certain families and how, you know, just toxic families is never good for a child either. Right. Absolutely. Now, this is seeming like this is speaking from personal experience. Yes, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I know I know Amy. I know Cassandra. And it's I think. Amy, I, I agree with you with you saying you, you teach your children one thing, but I also taught in middle school. And if you see my first year, you, I caught a child having sex in the bathroom. They were a seventh and a sixth grader. So I think it's important as the family, no matter what we want our children to do, I think it's important to tell them what they need to look out for also. I mean, I'm an African-American. I'm conservative. I grew up in the hood, so if you want to say. But I also know the values that I was taught, so those were the values that I followed. 
I also agree with the other young lady at the top, uh, the 27-year-old, 27-year-old, I'm sorry, I don't know your oh, name. Oh, Alyssa. Yeah, Alyssa, you're right. Whatever we teach our children, all the morals, all the values, all we can do is hope that they leave and follow the direction and advice that we gave them with all the love. Because when your child is released from you and they go out on their own, and think about the things that we did. I'm, I'll be 40 next month, and I think about the things and all the things that my mother told me, and she was a single mother. My stepdad was an alcoholic and a crackhead, and so she had to put down everything she could. But we still had to go to school every day, and we still had to make the choices that she taught us. So I think... It's, it's as much as we want our children to get married and have a family and stay, if it's toxic, if there's no one's in love with each other anymore or there's alcohol, do you make the best decision for your child? Because when I think if you're deciding to stay and you know it's toxic, then you're making the best decision for yourself. And that's not fair to the child. I agree. I completely agree 100%. Um, any shout-outs or things of that nature as you being our first official caller? No, you all are doing a great job. I, I, I enjoy the discussion. I enjoy the different perspectives, and it's, it's good. I like it. Well, thank you so very much for calling. Uh, you have a pleasant evening, and uh, be, be good or be good at it. All right. I hear you. Have all right. Oh, thank you, babe. Right, bye-bye. <laughs> great point. Um, and that is another generational thing um that the very construct of family was so different Mm -hmm. back in the 60s and the 70s and and i personally think it's because they understood a handful of things they understood the word sacrifice and they understood the word communication you only need three things three things to make a relationship work if and if you don't have all three of these things, you can catch me outside. If you got a better opinion, you're wrong. I'm telling you that right now. You need attraction, trust, and communication. You don't have those three things, your relationship will fail. And I'll take anybody's bet on that. <laughs> but it's just a different set of core values. I well, mean, the family structure was different. Um, of course. Yes. The, the, the mother and, took care of the, the house. Whole, the father went off to work. Well, in not, some not, cases, the mother worked, not, well, not but not, 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 not necessarily because I came from a two-working parent household. That was not right. it. The communications was different. We sat down to dinner. We had dinner pretty much the same time every day. Sure. Agreed. Um, she talked about being able to go outside. Yes. You know, Mom, look at you. Go outside. We did not sit and play video games all day long. There was no such thing. Um, the rise of social media was unheard of. Um, you social knew your neighbors. Hard. You actually mm-hmm. knew who your next door neighbor was, and welcomed them to the community when they moved in. Well, not only that's that, a good but point. not only that, but you looked out for one another. I mean, I could at one time tell you every one of my neighbors is dogs. <laughs> I mean, and it sounds funny, but you know. You look up and, you know, here's Fido at your front door. And you're like, hey, you're not where you're supposed to be. And you took Fido back home. Hmm. Um, you knew all the kids in the block. You know, yeah, you may fight, argue, and scream, and yell, and shout at one another. But you actually talked to work in the same area, the same room. Sure. You know, we did go over to one another's houses and drive Mom crazy because we tore up her house. Because, hey, Mom, we want sandwiches. And that generate that has totally vanished. Sure. And it is a shame because 
you have kids now who legitimately, and I call them so overprotected, they do not know anything else hmm. but that. They legitimately live in their houses like it's a prison. Sure, absolutely. And um, they don't know their neighbors. They know their kids in school. This might come as a surprise to some people out there, but I do think there are two kinds of millennials. I remember I was born in the 80s, raised in the 80s, early 90s, and I remember my butt getting kicked out of the house, and I wasn't allowed back in until the sunlights um, or until the streetlights came on. <clears throat> and we could drink from the hose if we were thirsty. Like, we were forced out of the house. Like, even if we had video games, those, those very small little old-school Nintendo ones. But we had to be outside for most of the day on the weekends. And then after school, you came back inside when the streetlights came on. And, you know, you stayed in your neighborhood. All the kids knew everybody. We'd all go into each other's house to use the bathrooms and go right back outside and start playing again. Hmm. Uh, we are going to move on to the next topic. But beforehand... Um, everybody, real quick, just go around and give one piece of advice, like you give one piece of advice to the millennials to help them, and they'll give one piece of advice to uh, ZLD to do the same. Watch, watch how you label people, because labels no not necessarily fit what you think. There are a lot of assumptions out there that you know. Unfortunately, Google gives that assumption. Ah, good point, Miss Alyssa. I think it would be that for the older generation, hindsight is twenty twenty. For them, it's easy to say you don't understand because this is what we went through, ah. and we're not able to say something like that back because we're presently going through it. So help us, share your wisdom, and come meet us where we are, and we'll meet you where you are, so that we can make a better community for the future. Good point. I like that. Um, collaboration and working together, uh, exactly what Alyssa just said, and, um, and and having that mutual respect for each other. Um, it's the same thing. No, we haven't been through what the prior generations have, and um, I think every looking at generation or, or timeline, everybody's gone through something differently. So sure. just having that mutual respect and collaboration amongst the generations. It's a very good point. Um, I would just say that we are not as dumb as the media tries to make us out to be all the time. Millennials are doing this. Millennials are doing that. Trust me, we're not as dumb as they're making us out to be. And we can communicate, and we should communicate if there's not, if we get past the arguing and the screaming and actually have a conversation. Very good. Um, I like all of it. Um, all of it is very good, very pertinent. We are going to move on to a topic that I'm very passionate about. I was on ABC7 with this. I was on CNN with the, or, or SNN. Manatee and Sarasota County say, no, we're not going to arm the damn teachers with guns. To think that that actually had to go to a goddamn vote. Really? Like, it's kind of a no-brainer. This is my own personal opinion, and we'll kick it around. I think trying to implement teachers... Having firearms or the Guardian program is really just a real cheap, inexpensive, or inexpensive way of Manatee and Sarasota County not wanting to pony up the dough and just hire a second SSO. Why do you think any 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 idiot who sits there and you can get off the street is going to be able to handle that stressful situation? Now, will you get lucky and you'll get somebody who just returned out of the army? Maybe. You'll get somebody who's done a couple tours in Iraq. Maybe. 
but why would you shoot all of that on a maybe? You have plenty of resources. Use your damn resources. There's a reason why umpteen million dollars has been spent in Manatee County security for all the schools. Just seems to me people could have picked a little bit of a smarter way. I don't know. What do you all think? Because you all are there. I know what I know. But you all are the ones like in the thick of the things. I mean, you've got kids and stuff like that. You, I'm sure, have got family members who are around that age. So they're going in and out of ki- you know schools. And Parkland was a real thing. Parkland was a very scary thing. Um, same with Columbine. Same with Virginia, you know, with uh, Virginia Tech. All of that other stuff. So where does security begin? Is it really in cameras? Or is it accepting a little bit of responsibility and just saying, no, we're going to put our best foot forward here? What do you think? Um, well, I would start it off as they you say you say like oh grabbing someone off of the streets and just giving them a gun and letting them walk around the school with a gun that's that's not how that bill was proposed they um oh i know you there's going to have to be qualification a psychological review uh they're going to have to do qual like um accuracy qualifications it would be based on volunteers i feel like the media made it seem like they're going to arm every single teacher mm-hmm. and every single teacher is going to have some gun on their on their waistband you well, know in the, the kindergarten class well, what, what, what media outlet are you looking at? Every, it's not there, it's every there. statement I saw from the media or from elected Who? officials used the words arming teachers. It's not arming teachers. It'd be arming administ- like school staff. It could be administrators. It could be teachers. It could be the janitor. If they qualify and took a psychological screening and they are the best person and they volunteer to do it. Because it's not, like again, it's going to have to be maintained. There will be a process behind it. They're not, again, just going to slap a, a, give a gun to a teacher and let them walk around. There's a whole process behind that. And that, I don't think, was explained very well. Because you say, like, they need to pony up and slap in law enforcement in every single school. Well, how did that law enforcement work out at Parkland? That one that they had there. Well, don't you think that that's a pretty extreme case considering but, but, there were 21 okay. calls before Parkland even that, happened? That uh, two, like three staff members were killed in Parkland as they confronted an armed individual and they had nothing. If one of those three were armed, they could have made a difference. Do you I'm, know that? Do you not know that? Because I, I know that they weren't armed, I knew, I knew, and I know it didn't make a difference. I, I know the person who was armed didn't stay his little if, bitch if, ass outside and didn't do nothing. Exactly, but if you look at, um, if you do the, like the uh, Dr. Uh, Scott Hopes, he's on the Manatee County School Board. He did vote to for in support or um, uh, in support of arming teachers and arming staff. He came and gave a speech that uh, the sheriff of Pinellas County, his name um, escapes me at the moment. Pinellas, yes. That before he was against arming teachers, and then there's a video that is out for elected officials to watch to educate themselves in the Parkland shooting because they have it on camera. And he walked out of that and kind of... You walked it back a little bit and was like, hmm, maybe it is a good idea to arm teacher or to arm school staff. I want to try not to say arm teachers, um, arm school staff because three of them, about I think two of them, were killed before at least a dozen other kids were shot. Sure. So if one of them had a gun and could have at least maybe gotten to a gunfire with them, it's not a safe situation. This is not an ideal situation to try to argue um, because it was horrific, but. If one of them had a gun, let's say they got into a gunfire situation with him and held him back long enough for law enforcement to 
arrive. No one had a gun. It was just clean shootings for the gentleman. And it's... So do you think they should have or should not have? They, sh- I think they should have. Uh, I think they should have ar- armed staff, school staff. Fair enough. Cassandra, what do you think? Well, um, I agree that the media ha- in different av- different sources of media um, have made it seem like every single teacher is going to be armed. Um, I know that this has been described as um, increasing the guardians within the school. Um, and if a teacher elects to do this, then it is up to that teacher um, or that professional to, to do that. They have to go through training. There's several standards that have to be put in place for them to um even be able to carry that, but it doesn't mean that every single person has to. If they if they aren't comfortable, they um, they don't have to do that. I have asked this question to friends and family as well, and sure. just to my daughter is not in school yet, but thinking about that, you know, is she going to go into a school with a metal detector? Or is she going to go into a school that has? That has got to be a scary, scary situation. It's a thought. I mean, it's something that we have to consider. So oh, it has to be. Um, I think that with this, it is, um, I, I've had both sides argued to me and, or, or debated to me, I shouldn't say argued, just debated to me. Um, and one of them being a, a veteran that he thinks that, um, he would feel comfortable doing it. He's had experience with it. He's been, um, in combat, but when it comes to a teacher, their job should be educating our kids and being. Thank a you. That's what That's I'm what talking about. That's what their job should be. So um, I see both both sides of it, and I think that it is a a matter of everybody clearly understanding what the bill is implying, um, or not implying, but what the bill actually states, and not this implied that it's going to be every single person. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Regarding what uh, Cassandra said about everybody being able to know what the bill actually states um, today, actually, I just did a quick Google search on this issue, right, for Florida specifically. And about the first 10 articles that came up, not a single one referenced the bill number or linked back to the bill Mm -hmm. text on either the Florida House or Florida Senate website. So I think that comes back to the issue of knowledge being a mile wide and an inch deep. Sure. Um, Back to the training, anyone who, first off, the expansion of the guardian program was actually um, recommended by the Parkland shooting panel report. So parents and individuals, law enforcement who gathered after the Parkland shooting came together and not those assholes that were on TV, were they like, you know, like uh, David Hogg and shit like that. No, I don't know who all was on the panel, but David Hogg was a dick (laughs) there recommendation back to the Florida legislature was to expand the the Guardian program. So these are parents and a community that's been directly affected by this, and they're requesting that. Absolutely. Teachers, their number one priority should be to teach. Agreed. However, if they choose to go through these trainings, and mind you, it's a 144-hour training course. You know that's longer than anyone with a concealed weapon permit needs to take? And concealed weapon permit holders are... Let me see. Um, They are six times less likely to commit crime than law enforcement officers, 
and commit misdemeanors and felonies at a rate of 0.0002% annually. According to who? There's a, it's from a number of sources. <laughs> um, so if you I'll take, take somebody <laughs> who has taken an eight-hour class to now right. get their carry and a quick background check versus somebody who's going through 144 hours of training and truly understands the purpose of why they're doing this, the gravity of the situation. Sure. Then they're going to be even less likely, in my opinion, hmm. to use that weapon irresponsibly. Yes. I mean, people uh, don't go through a whole bunch of background training, like training and tra- background checks and obtaining guns the legal way just to go and rob CVS or start... I'm actually curious what Tommy thinks because um, I also know that being trained in law enforcement and being trained um, to shoot a gun and being in a, a high risk situation and being in a high risk two different things fine motor gross motor how are you going to react your reaction time there's a lot of things that play into that so beautiful point although yes the training is there and it's 144 hours and and I think but I think it's it's I think there's more that we can work on for this to if if this is the if this is the wave that's going to happen. Um, but I'd like to hear what actually Tommy thinks about that. School shootings are a hard thing to handle. Sure, um, it is difficult at best if you have somebody that is armed that decides they're going to go into a school and shoot a school. Unless you can get to them before they can get the weapons, it's almost impossible to stop a long shooter um, before they start committing the acts. I'm not going to say that it can't be done, but it's almost it, it, it's a hard hard thing to do. Um, the Parkland shooting is just one of many. Um, I believe that people have demonized firearms. To a very bad extent, um, it's actually quite despicable how and, badly they have. Right? I told Johnny, and then, you know, my favorite quote is, "Guns don't kill people; people kill people." Mm-hmm. You can take a gun, lay it down there, and it will never do anything as long as it's never touched. Um, do I believe that there should be more security in schools? Sure. Um, I believe that returning returning vets would be a great idea uh, retired law enforcement or somebody that's been there would be a great idea um, I understand that sheriff's offices city PDs they have budget constraints they you know and sometimes throwing money at the problem is just is exactly that throwing money at the problem it doesn't necessarily solve the problem correct do I think that you know you can teach people how to handle shooting situations yes most every sheriff's office I know of, a lot of the city PD officers, they go through school shooting training. They legitimately mm-hmm. take yeah. them through. They'll take a class on a Saturday, and they will put somebody in there, and you, you, know, you go in there, and you're supposed to find the bad guy. I agree. Um, it has also been proven over and over that the faster you confront the person with the gun, the less deaths or injuries you have mm-hmm. um, the officer that was at Parkland there's no excuse I mean the job was to go find the guy you, you, they, he, 
they knew roughly where he was. They had an idea. Now I can see people saying, "Hey, we need to, um, you know, have an idea of where he is." Lockdowns are a great thing, but if you're going to do the the shooting training, you know, find the people that can do the shooting training that knows what they're doing. Arming teachers, let the teachers teach. I mean, there's few that can do. A school custodian, believe it or not, would be a better individual than a teacher. And the reason I say that is because most custodians know the layout of the school three times better than most of the teachers. So do the administration. I can most definitely because, appreciate that for you know, sure. Teachers, you know, yeah. they teach. They they stay in their classrooms. Yeah, they yeah. seem to know it, but they definitely don't know every corner of the cafeteria. They definitely don't know every corner of the gym. Right. It's it's possible. Yeah. But well, a custodian does. Instead of inst in. Instead of things like that, which I can appreciate, you know, all the, you know, all the the different news sources, I don't give a shit if Ron DeSantis, you know, signs a bill with it. Don't care. It is a simple point of Florida doesn't rank very high in education to begin with. All right. Not to say that we're at the bottom of the barrel because we're not. There are far worse places out there. But we all saw what happened in California where that little kid decided to get a wild hair up his ass and start slapping the shit out of his teacher. Well, if they got a gun, well, now the kid's got access to a gun. How smart is that? Caller, you're live on Sunny Coast on Point. Hello? Hey, Johnny? Yes, sir. Yeah, hey, this, this is Kevin Wright. Uh, First of all, a little bit of context, a little perspective. Uh, I served for 24 years. Retired in 2006. I, the 10 years since I retired, I spent six years as a high school teacher. I substitute taught uh, for two years in kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, and uh, one of the uh, one of the places I taught was five minutes down the road from Parkland, Coconut Creek High School in Broward County. Sure. That was in 2014. But my my, uh, my perspective, and also my family and I lived in Israel for two years. We lived in a uh, we lived in a society that took an entirely different view, like Tommy talked about, uh, where it had a, a, a much more uh, I would say enlightened view about what firearms are and what their purpose is, uh, which was not to just arbitrarily kill people. But my perspective on uh, allowing uh, teachers that are capable to volunteer to be armed. Uh, comes from my experience the year before I retired in 2006. I worked at Camp Victory. I occasionally left out there to where it was dangerous, but inside Camp Victory it was pretty mild. Uh, we were I was training Iraqis, uh, and in the training Iraqis, we were outnumbered 10 to 1. Uh, they were all on. We were all on uh, for, for good reason. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, we did not think at all about the fact that we were carrying around weapons at all. Uh, it was just something we did. We did our job in training Iraqis. We took notes. We did things. We just lived life. Sure. Uh, so just like a, a teacher that's got an arm, they're not sitting there thinking like they're a security officer 24 and 7. They teach. I would have done that as a teacher. Uh, but inside the confines there, uh, turn it around. Imagine for a minute if, if we had not been armed, either the Americans or the good Iraqis, because we learned very quickly that some of them you could not trust. 
I guarantee you, the ones that we could not trust, the same ones that killed uh, three of my Iraqi friends at home outside of Camp Victory, they are the ones that would have been armed. And I would have been worried and thinking about uh, and not doing my job the whole time. The difference, I lived in an environment where we were armed and we just did our jobs. I think that uh, those that are armed, uh, that are trained, as I was, capable, will feel much more comfortable in doing a job. I certainly would have uh, teaching in Coconut Creek High School down the road from Parkland. Hmm. Very interesting, and yet a, um, a very good turn of events. And um, everybody's story is a little different, so I completely understand that. Um, and we thank you for your service, obviously. Um I just personally think that when you have so many other resources that you could reach out to, you know, and you can pull from different options. I don't, I don't give a flying hell if the kids don't want to go to school with clear backpacks. Make the little motherfuckers carry around a clear backpack. It's nothing. that They're not there for a fashion show. They're there to learn. So if they don't have the coolest backpack, oh well. You know, that I think might help. If you cut down the points of entrance and exit, that might limit it. And for God's sakes, please get a, please get a fence around a school that's, you know, that's higher than my armpits. <laughs> Can that be a thing? Can we not have that happen? Johnny, we need that too. Uh, it's not, a, it's not a, a choice between that. You can have that, all of that. Well, you, sir, are definitely the one percent. And by the one percent, I mean the educated and the intelligent. So I do thank you for that. All right, thanks, Johnny. All right, you have a good one, my man. Appreciate it. You too. Brilliant phone call. Brilliant. You know, I mean, but everybody's um, everybody's devil, quote unquote, is just a little bit different, and they all have different perspectives about it. I completely understand. I, I, I co-sign to no end what both of you said. Let the teachers teach because they've got enough going on and start reaching out and start really expanding because here's the one thing that I never want to look back at a certain point of time and say, hey, Amy, that you remember that when we always sit around and say that'll never happen to us? Lo and behold. And I'll be damned if if our county or sheriff's department ends up lying those idiots where Parkland happened who could have stopped it and didn't get held accountable until many, 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 many months afterwards. And then like it turned into a political shit show over dead lives and people standing on the graves of children to drive their personal political agenda home instead of doing what everybody says they were doing. And that's caring about the kids. Well, I disagree hmm. with you a little bit. Now, I knew that, you know, not every officer there didn't engage. I knew that. They were officers that went into school as soon as they arrived. So, I blame that sheriff. You can't. That you sheriff can't, was well. It, you, you, sheriff I, Israel. Is that I, I've also learned a long time ago you can't always blame the sheriff for everything either because you know the sheriff wasn't there. He he can only control so much. I mean, I always say that it stops right. at the top, but you can only hold that person accountable to a point. You can't hold him accountable for what the one deputy who. Who's ever whose actions everybody criticized, including sure. me. 
Um, the only thing that really scares me about school, some of the stuff that they're putting out or thinking about is we do not want schools to be a prison. So we've got to be able to balance that out. We've got to have a school where the school is is school. And what's the primary uh, purpose of school? Well, I, I didn't say it's not education, but I'm, t- I'm trying to say you do not want to have a school that's more as a prison or... I don't even know what that means. The local airport where we're going through three metal detectors with guards around and everything else. You you don't want to have... You especially don't want to have a five-year-old walking into that every day. I will gladly... <laughs> I will gladly front so, the bill so for my 12-year-old to go to... St- to go to a therapist, but be able to know pretty damn quickly that she's at least coming home. Well, there's got to be a balance, and that's well, what I'm trying to say. You, you, you've got to have a balance somewhere. Because well, you, can, you can take security to such an extreme that you lose the freedoms that you have. So there is a ba- you have to watch that balance. Hypothetically speaking, let's say Manatee did decide that they are going to expand the guardian program and allow staff to carry again hypothetically speaking you're probably referring to one or two staff members per school that could probably qualify and i bet you they would even take it a step further where they would eliminate teachers in the classroom to not be able to join this and kind of stick stick it to like the like your coaches and your athletic coordinators and the administration which so it was like I understand what you're saying, but again, that's painting this picture that it's going to be every single person's going to have that, and they're, they're going to see people no, no, with guns. No, 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 I no. bet you they're not even going to allow a gun to be in a classroom. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about. Um, I'll use courthouses as a prime example. Um, if you go into any courthouse, mostly now, you walk through metal detectors, you walk through um, armed armed security points. Most of them are manned by deputies or something like that. Um, not saying that's not a, a, a decent idea, but you don't want to have a point that every hallway is that way in a school. You you want to have some balance in there. Sure. I mean, that that's what I'm talking about. You want the kids to go in there and go into their classroom and have fun. Hiding the guns of the teachers, not knowing who's carrying, that's the best idea in the world. You never want to know who's armed. And that could probably uh, definitely at least minimize or deter a little bit. Um so you've obviously given your opinion. I will go back around and say, gun, yes or no, why, sum it up in a sentence or two, and we'll call uh, this wonderful inaugural uh, show, we will call it, until uh, Friday. So, Alyssa, um, yes or no, why? Uh, uh, in my opinion, absolutely yes. And, you know, it's notorious that mass shooters look for gun-free zones. You look at the Dark Knight shooting in Colorado, and his manifesto came out, and he said, I purposely looked for places that were gun-free. Out of the seven movie theaters within, I believe, a four-mile radius of his home, he chose the one theater that was a gun-free zone. If there are one to two people on my potential future child's campus or niece or family member's campus, and the idea that there is that security there to protect them right. beyond what there already is could deter that mass shooting from happening. I'm all for that. Good call. Um, with everything being said, I'm going to say yes. Um, I believe that. <laughs> She's like, well. Yeah. No, um, I, I, I believe that it provides with the training and everything that's involved in it and looking at 
all the different aspects that can come together to make this happen. Um, having that immediate defense up front, exactly if somebody comes in there, um, and being able to save potential, I mean, potentially save lives, right? Um, and just increasing that, I I have to say yes to the. Bill. Miss Amy. Um, I, like I said, originally, yes, I am for <laughs> arming staff and to build on what Alyssa said as a visual example, think about what a sign outside of a school that says there are armed staff on campus if there is an intruder. Just the deterrent that is if someone is looking to shoot up a school. Fair enough. Um, I want to thank all of you for coming and hanging on out. You guys are giving up your Monday when there would be so many better things to do between Game of Thrones reruns, Grey's Anatomy reruns, anything, you know, watching paint dry. I get it. But thank you. That I would definitely love to have you guys back on. Thank you. Um, I definitely agree above anything else that conversation and civil discourse is how things will really will change not only in the area but i believe beyond the area but i'm also an even bigger proponent is before you start pointing your fingers at people up in places that wouldn't be able to pick you out of a goddamn crowd why don't you fix what's going on here first for the love of god um so tommy d thank you sir I look forward to this journey. This will be a fun journey for us on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays from 12.30 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. just during your lunch. And why would you want to listen to my wonderful, annoying voice? I don't know. But guys, have any any final shout-outs? No. Thank you so much for inviting and having us. Oh. Fair Absolutely. Enough. Thank you, Johnny. Appreciate it. No shout outs? Anybody? You all have got <laughs> men and people who like you in your presence. We do. I'll shout out to my fiance, Chris. Ah, oh, Christopher. Young love. Um, I, you know, my family knows I love them, so I'm not going to. Of course, I shout out to all of them in a, a general blanket. Um, <laughs> I have a friend. I want to just take the platform since I have a friend that is trying to find homes for or make container homes for uh, homeless teachers yeah, and I students. Yep. So check out his uh, Facebook website, Uncontained360. And uh, just, you know, knowledge is power. So as much help Absolutely. as he can get, I'm sure he'd love it. Tommy and thanks D. for having us of and invi inviting us back. I'd love to come back. Tommy D, shout out 23 go. Um, it is Memorial Day. Ah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And not to lose the fun of the barbecues and the family get-togethers, please remember that there were people that are no longer with us. Um, the first Memorial Day for a quick was held in 1868 at Arlington. Hmm. So I figured that my shout-out would be to those that are gone. A good shout-out. A very good shout-out. Um, Thank you, I Tommy. I was going to read this one thing before I did. It says, Cherish tenderly the memory of our heroic dead who made their breasts a barricade between our country and its foes. We shall guard their graves with sacred village. So do not forget those that are no longer with us. Mm. Very nice. Uh, shout-out to everybody watching. Um, us on YouTube and on Facebook. <clears throat> Shout out to all the closed-minded people. <laughs> you are very tolerated. Don't think you're not. Um, we have wonderful 
broadcasting programming on STLR. Monday through Friday, they've got the Morning Wood with High C. Wednesday night, you got my other show, The Mad Titans of Radio, with me, Uncle T, Elf, and Dad. And we got Chacha's Cannabis Corner, Tea Time for all you gossip queens out there, and all of that wondrous stuff. Um, freedom is not always free. And remember, don't be so quick to bring flowers to a funeral, but you won't bring soup to a sick person. Come on, let's get your damn priorities straight, people, for Christ's sakes. I am the emperor and the future mayor of Bradenton, a.k.a. Ratchet City. I am the man known solely as not for one's only supervillain, but I am simply Johnny Christ. I thank you all, and we will see everybody on Friday. Um, Peace out.